How are you, everyone? Your current circumstances are not final. Your current circumstances are not final. And you need to go to sleep, you got the message. We're going to keep coming back to that, that thought. Regardless of where I am right now, this is not my final destiny. This is not my, the end of my story. God has got the whole story out in front of me. God's in charge of how the story ends. And sometimes when you're in the middle of a circumstance, it looks very different than how the story's actually going to play out. Because you don't know how it's going to play out. You don't know the end of the story. You just know the circumstances you find yourself in at the moment. And I was talking to Cord backstage, Pastor Cord, and, and, I, and we've known each other for 40 years. We were like two, I think, when we met. I can't remember. But I said, Cord, what did you want to be when you were a kid? We all had those dreams, right? Everybody had a dream of what they wanted to be. How, how many wanted to be an astronaut? President? Wow, only a couple brave souls. All right. All right. Cord said, look, I only wanted one thing. You know what it is. I'm like, I really didn't. And he said, I wanted to be Julius Irving. I wanted to be in the NBA. And I said, dude, you could never jump. Not ever in your life have I known you to be able to jump. But I went back and I started thinking about things that, that I wanted to be. And I, I remember early on, I wanted, I wanted to get a job where I, get, where I could get paid to sleep. Anybody? I said, that would be a dream job. <laughs> and then I thought maybe I'd get a job at a mirror factory. Because I could totally see myself doing that. <clears throat> Go back and listen to the Easter message if you don't like that. That's all right. You know, I memorized the verse that I'm going to share with you 25 years ago. And it's one of those verses, once you memorize a verse, it's just there. If, you, if you've done that, if you're not, I hope you will. I've challenged everybody here in the church to memorize a chapter. Um, I'll just tell you, I took, I took the book of Jude. It's one chapter, but I, I'm memorizing the book of Jude. So far, I'm up to about like verse 2. Uh, but I'm, I'm working on it. And uh, I hope you're working on memorizing a chapter. But I, I memorized these verses in Isaiah 19, 25 years ago. And I thought, this is going to be so easy to preach because I know this verse. I spent the entire week studying this passage. And I'm not sure there's an end to it. So just buckle in. It's going to seem strange. But listen for the application, because the application for all of us is this. Your current circumstances are not final. No matter what you find yourself in now, they are not final. Now listen, that might be you're in a bad situation, and it's going to turn out wonderful because of your relationship with Jesus. It might be that you've got everything this world has to offer, and you're going to end up with nothing. I'll tell you what a friend of mine wrote. He said, if you're a Christian, this earth is as close to hell as you're ever going to get. If you're not a Christian, this earth is as close to heaven as you're ever going to get. So you've got some decisions to make. So in this passage, in Isaiah 19, the whole chapter is written about Egypt. Egypt is mentioned second only in the Bible to Israel. It's mentioned over 500 times. 
And the verse that we're going to look at tonight is on every Christian Egyptian, Egyptian Christian's wall. It said that God's people, he said, my people are the Egyptian people. That's why I memorized the verse. Because when I first started going to Egypt, I'm like, wow, look at what God says about Egypt. He said, they are my people. He doesn't say that about the United States. See, they're very proud as well they would be. Can you imagine if it was said that about us? The United States, those are my people. But he specifically said that about Egypt. Stand with me. We're going to look at three verses. And then just trust me, we're going to do a little history, a little archaeology, but then we're going to bring it home to each one of us. In that day, which has not happened yet, there will be a highway from Egypt to Assyria. That's Iraq and Iran today. The Assyrians will go to Egypt and the Egyptians to Assyria. The Egyptians and the Assyrians will worship together. But who will they worship? In that day, Israel will be the third part, along with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing on the earth. The Lord Almighty will bless them, saying, Blessed be my people, Egypt. Assyria, my handiwork, Israel, my inheritance. What an incredible passage. You can be seated. So it looks easy. It looks easy, you know, but what in the world is going on here? Okay. We're going to start and just break down the three countries that he mentions because he specifically chose three countries. Okay. During Isaiah's lifetime, when he's writing this, let me tell you what's going on. We have, the, we have those slides. Let's just show them. Okay? So he says, Egypt is going to be blessed. You know what Egypt's known for? Being idolaters. In Egypt to this day, they have worshipped everything and every god and every animal and the sun. They have worshipped everything except the living God. How about Israel? They're going to be God's inheritance. You know what God says about them? He said, you guys are prostitute. You, you will turn it in a moment's notice to another God and start worshiping something else. Assyria, God's handiwork. You know what the Assyrians were known for? Murder. They just slaughter people. They just slaughter nations. Here's this prophet of God sitting in Jerusalem, and he said, let me tell you how God feels about these three nations. If you're living in his day, you're like, this makes no sense. In fact, if you're sitting here tonight, it doesn't make sense. If it weren't for the blood of Jesus Christ. Because the highway that he talks about, let me try to give you a picture. When Jesus is crucified... Jesus is crucified, as best I can tell, facing west. Does that matter? It doesn't matter. But he was crucified outside the western wall of the city of Jerusalem, and he's facing west. His arms are spread out like this, one arm reaching to Assyria, the other arm reaching to Egypt. <laughs> Why, Joe? Thank you for asking. Because <clears throat> Israel represents God's people. That's where the Messiah is from, right? Egypt represents the tribe of Ham, and to the north, the Assyrians represent all the rest of us. So either, either you're 
Either you are white, you are brown, or you are somewhere in between. When Jesus died on the cross, the statement that he was making is that my blood is for all colors. In fact, there are no colors, there are no nations, there are no races. My blood is for everyone. And more importantly, the people that the blood is for are people who it makes no sense. None of these people deserve to be saved. And you think you do? Are we getting somewhere here? What are they known for? Spiritual prostitution, idolatry. These are not wonderful people. And yet Isaiah said they're God's handiwork. They're, they're going to be called blessed. God has a special place in his heart. Now let me explain something. Because you've got this idea of an Egyptian. You've got Yul Brenner in your head. All right? When Isaiah was the prophet, the pharaohs of Egypt were Ethiopian. Do you know that? Probably not. Um, the pharaohs of Egypt are from Nubia, Ethiopia, they're Greek, they're, they're, all, they're from all over the place. Just because they're Egyptian doesn't mean they were all Egyptian. And so God was saying, all the descendants of the earth, I'm pulling them together, all how? Through the blood of Jesus there in Israel. And Israel, just for the record, you're no peach. Because Israel's called a prostitute. Here's a little archaeology for you. I'll just show you. If you don't know what Egypt looks like, there's the pyramids. And then we go to Assyria. They were known for the winged bulls. This is one of the gods that they worship. This thing's about the size of that wall. They're, they're all over archaeology museums around the world. And then there's the Temple Mount where Solomon's golden temple used to stand. That's a mosque now, but one day that will be the temple again. Now... If you want to go, we'll take you and show you all of this. Out in the lobby, we've got three trips going to Egypt, April, May, and June. We've got a trip going to Israel in October. Our tours are not exactly normal tours. Our tours, you do mission work while you're there. So we do a little bit of both. But we've got information about that uh, out there in the lobby. But what's fascinating to me is how God's message goes to the most broken people. If you were here last week, you'll know we talked about the fact that all God has is broken people. Am I right? Everybody in this room, you're guilty. I'm guilty. We're all guilty. The key is the word repentance and saying, you know what? This current circumstance does not have to be my eternal destiny. Because if you look today, and you may or may not know this, the fastest growing church in the world is in Iran. Now, nobody talks about it because they can't. They'd all be killed. And they're mostly 18 and under because they're empty. They're hollow and they're finding Jesus. It's incredible what's going on in the Persian world right now. In Egypt, the partnerships that you and I work with, people don't believe me, so I'm just going to tell you, you can, we'll show you if you want to go. We support 541 churches in Egypt. All right? Just to let you know what you're doing. You are the largest supporter of a mission in Egypt, and we, we plant three to four new churches a year. You just launched a brand new one last week. 
Um, it's incredible what's going on. And the gospel is going everywhere where it can't. And it specifically says in Isaiah 19, if you go back a few verses, it says there's going to be a revival in Egypt. Well, if you don't know anything about Egypt, it's 90% Islamic. And they're not exactly tolerant, okay? Just, I'm just letting you know this. But it says at the end times, there's going to be a revival in Egypt, and they're going to worship the people from Iraq, Egypt, and Israel are going to come together because of the blood of Jesus, and the revival is going to start in a city called Heliopolis. Anybody speak Greek? If you were to look that up on a map, you'd find out that city is Cairo. And it's a city right now of 18 million people, almost all of them lost and going to hell. But it says that the end times, God calls those people what? My people. Now let's get some application in here. Wouldn't you like to stand before God and say, hear these words? Hey, Joe, you were my guy. Wouldn't you like to hear that? That's, isn't that what we're, why we're following Jesus? I want God to point to me and say, that was one of my people. That's what he says about Egypt, and that's what he says, that the, the, the walls have all been torn down. It's not about Jews, it's not about Greeks, it's not about any color. The gospel of Jesus Christ cuts across all of that. Jesus' arms are open wide to reach to all of the nations and to all the people. Maybe you're here, and you're one of those people who are sexually out of, out of control. Jesus died for you. Maybe you're watching online. You're like, I'm afraid to even go in there. Jesus died for you. Maybe you're the idolater. Man, you're like the Egyptian. There's nothing you haven't worshipped. You've bought it. You've lived it. You've worn it. You've eaten it. You, 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 are the, you are the one that's tried to own it all. That's what the Egyptians have tried. And he said, they're my people. See, God looks at our current circumstances and sees past that. When Isaiah, when they read these words, they must have thought, Isaiah, you are a lunatic. Well, they think that about most of God's prophets. But for Isaiah to write to the 2,600 years ago and say that Egypt is going to be called my people, no, no. It was out of control what was going on in Egypt, what they were worshiping in Egypt. And at that particular time, Egypt wasn't even much of a nation. And the Assyrians, they're going to be at the table? The Assyrians are going to be there worshiping with the rest of the world? Why, those people are bloodthirsty, horrible human beings. So when, the, when they read it in their current circumstances, it didn't make any sense. Let me ask you something. First of all, let's start with you. Maybe you think, I, I'm, I'm all those things. I mean, I, I, I'm, I, I'm covered in all those sins. Yeah, that's why Jesus came, was to change your circumstances. But here's the church's problem, and we all struggle with this. I don't care who you are. And the longer you're a Christian, the harder this becomes. Because you don't even know that many non-Christians anymore, but man, do we get tough on sinners. Because none of us ever sinned, right? Time you've been a Christian 20, 30 years, you've, you've forgotten. As if we don't continue to sin. But that's one of the, the things about Cord and I knowing each other for 40 years. We both know plenty to bury each other. So 
we just love each other and pray for each other and support each other and just don't ask too many questions, okay? But you know what? That's what being a Christian is. It's not being perfect. It's being forgiven. It's letting God change your circumstances in life. So when Isaiah wrote these words, you're a crazy man. Even Israel at that point, Israel has no interest in God. Isaiah is pretty much standing alone talking about God. The rest of Israel doesn't even care. Let's bring that into the modern culture. Today, I think you can make the case that most people still don't care. And yet God said, before this world is all done, there's going to be a highway where the whole world comes together and there will be worship of the one God that came out of Jerusalem, the Messiah that died for everybody, and he will be the unifier. It will not be a president. It will not be a king. It will not be a prince. It will be the prince of peace. It will be the king of kings. He is the only one. You cannot unite. I mean, we've proven you cannot unite a country based on politics. The only thing that unites people is the blood of Jesus Christ. Because it doesn't matter. The rest of the story doesn't matter. Where you live, how much money you make, what color you are, where you're from. None of that stuff matters. Because Jesus' arms were open to cover all of that gap. Let's go back to last week, though. The key to this is repentance. The, way, the reason you don't have to stay in your current circumstances is because you and I are supposed to be changing. And that, my friends, you don't change. You accept Jesus Christ. You repent. You're baptized. Then you let God, you let God do the work. You don't clean a fish till you catch him, right? You gotta catch the fish first. So don't think I gotta get it all together or my neighbor's gotta get it all together. Then I can introduce them to Jesus. No, Jesus died for people who are idolaters, murderers, and the most horrible people. And he said, my blood will bridge everybody together and they'll all find grace and they'll all worship together. Revelation 7, 9, John said, I saw people from every nation. Every language, every tribe, and every tongue standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that he might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Now listen, it's still out there. I hear it every week from bad preachers. And I'm amazed... I expect bad preaching in certain parts of the church, but there's other parts of the church that I don't expect it from. And you'll hear this. Well, God just wants you to be good. I'm out. You're out. Now what? Who defines good? Who defines when you've been good enough? Well, I hope I get into heaven. Well, you got no chance then. Because if you've accepted Jesus and you're under his blood, you don't have to hope nothing. You know. That's the whole point of the gospel. And yet, we're still living in a time where people... Well, it, it, I'll tell you why they do it. It's to manipulate you. Because if you being good means you do what I tell you. 
You support this political cause. You give money to this. You buy me a new jet. That's the kind of stuff that passes for preaching in our current culture. Instead of preaching a repentance of sin and a turning back to a God who gave his life on the cross for everybody. So that we wouldn't have any division, we would not hold things against each other, but through the blood of Christ we would find that unity. Now he says about Assyria, he says, Assyria is my handiwork. Interesting word, because they were the, some of the great um, architects, um, their, their art... Um, some of the best ever. They go back to the beginning of time. The Assyrians are the Assyrians are the grandchildren of Noah. Okay, if you want to know where they came from, the grandchildren of Noah. And you saw the winged bull. They they had all this incredible stuff. And God said of them, "You are my handiwork. I crafted you." Again, you're reading that in the, that culture, even if you're reading it today. Say you're reading that in 1980 with Saddam Hussein. You're reading that passage and God says, hey, these, these people are my handiwork. These are the people I've created. Well, of course he created them, but why would God go out of his way to mention them? Because God's going to change the circumstances because where they were is not where they have to finish. Ephesians 2.10 says that now that we are in Christ Jesus, we were created to do what? Good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We, by accepting Jesus, change the circumstances and pull ourselves through this nightmare that we live in because God has a plan for us on the backside of this story. And then we get to Israel. Now this one should be easy. All right? This is maybe where we would talk about the United States. And yet, what they were most known for. And Jeremiah's writings, Isaiah's writings, all of the prophets. Every one of the prophets calls Israel a harlot. Every one of them. Because they knew better. I'm talking to people that know better. And yet, don't we do the same? Don't we drift? Don't we do things that are so far out of bounds sexually with our words, with our lifestyle, with our money? So far out of bounds. And yet, Jesus said, this is Israel, my inheritance. Now, I went back to look for a verse. Because I thought, well, there's lots of verses about inheritance in the Bible. Well, there are. About God being our inheritance. That if you're a follower of Jesus... That you will be an heir of Jesus Christ, Romans chapter 8. You will receive, you will receive all the blessings that God has. And it's all through the Psalms. All these verses are there. That's not what this says. It says Israel will be God's inheritance. But wait, <laughs> Isaiah, do you see the condition of Israel? You see what's going on in the streets of Israel? Do you see what's going on in the synagogues? Do you see what they're doing in your name? Yeah, but the current circumstances are not how the story ends. And at the end, there's going to be a coming together because the arms of Jesus that were stretched wide and the blood that flowed covered all of mankind's sin. And Isaiah's given us a look into this 2,600 years ago that it does not matter that the blood was for everyone. You want to know who killed Jesus? We all did. You want to know who he died for? All of us. There's the story. 
I saw a thing this week. There's always weird things that are not hard to find, but I saw a story about a guy that was selling a Volvo. In fact, it's still for sale if you want to buy it. Um, I'll have to call you an idolater if you buy it, but that's okay. It's, it's for sale for $20 million. Now, I'm thinking to myself, uh, it's not like, you know, I don't drive Bugattis and things like that, so I'm, I'm, it's not covered with gold. It's a Volvo. It's an old Volvo. But the plate... Somehow this guy got the vanity plate. You can barely see it. If you've got really good eyes, what's it say? It says New York. It's the only plate like that. Somebody, when they went to personalized plates, got that plate. And people are willing to pay $20 million because with the car on the contract, it says you get the transfer of the plates. Man, I had a 79 Peno. I would have made you a deal on that. You could have had the plates, the, you, I'd have thrown in a house. You could have had several other things. But when I read the story, this is where my head went. What is this all about? What's Isaiah talking about? What does the Gospels talk about when Jesus is shedding his blood? Guys, the price he paid was because your name and my name were on that license plate. He didn't do it for himself. He did it for you. He did it for me. So I don't know what God's saying to you. Maybe you need to accept Jesus. Maybe God needs you to get out of your comfort zone. He needs you in Egypt or he needs you in Israel or he needs you in Costa Rica. Maybe he needs you in the children's ministry. I promise you, if you go down to the children's ministry, they're going to say, yeah, we need you. God needs you down here. You know what? There's so many ways to serve God. And the reason so many Christians don't make it is because they get stuck in their current circumstances. Well, this is all I am. This is where I've come from. This is... No. Your current circumstances is not where God's plan for you to be. I promise you, God has a car. If He has a car, your name is on that front plate. Because you and I were worth the blood that He shed. That means we got to treat each other differently. we got to treat the world differently. we got to treat our city differently. Anybody ever get mad when you're driving? Pastor Court has a real problem with that. I, uh... Listen, listen, everybody's got issues. And I think that's the hardest thing for Christians to come to. But when you look at this passage and you see all the horrible things these people were known for, and yet God calls them my people, my blessed people, and my inheritance because their current circumstances did not define their eternal destiny. Let's pray. Father, I pray that, that we would learn from these nations and that we, we would learn that we can make changes now that can impact. Regardless of how far down the wrong road we've gone, there's no better time than today to make a U-turn. So Lord, I don't know who I'm talking to online. I have no idea. And I know I can't change anybody. But you promised that your Holy Spirit could change all of us. And so, Lord, there's somebody that needs to be saved. There's a marriage that needs to be saved. There's somebody that's caught up in alcohol, drugs, some kind of sexual perversion. There's somebody caught up in money. And tonight, Lord, would you do something special in their lives? In Jesus' name.